Product managers give 100% of themselves to their customers. But who's there for the PM? The Product Management Center at the University of Washington. It's a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact. I'm Jeff Schulman, founding director of the Product Management Center and your host on this show, How to Succeed in Product Management. Each week, I'm joined by my co-host, Red, and some of the best product managers in the business. Together, we're having candid conversations that help you understand the challenges that a product manager faces, how they overcome them, and the tools and frameworks that will help you thrive in the role. So let's start the show. Welcome, everybody. My name is Jeff Schulman. I am a professor at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business, and I am the founding director of the Product Management Center, which hosts conversations every week about how to succeed in product management. Each week, we take a different topic, and today we're joined by one of our prestigious alums who is a product leader at Lassian, and he made the transition from accounting to product management. And so we're going to have a conversation about that. How do you make that transition? And I know some of the people in the audience are not accountants, and some of the people are already product managers like Lennon and Sumeya. And so Sumeya, who's here every week with us co-hosting, why should everybody listen to it, even if they're not an accountant trying to get into product management? All right. Thanks, Jeff. I would uh, find value in this conversation from a couple of perspectives. As someone looking to get into product management, this shows you some of the different paths that people take, uh, share stories, understand some other people's lived experience. The path to product management is not singular by any or is not just one by any stretch of the imagination. And so in today's conversation, we're going to hear about an example of just one that's as personal as it is unique to the individual who who took it. That's one. Two, for those of us who have been in product management for a while, I think it's interesting to hear about the challenges and the different skills that people bring in from different industries, different practices, different careers. We take our current practices in, you know, for granted. We take the product management world we've been in for a while for granted. And so it's good for us every now and then to come out of that ivory tower and to hear about other people's past and what it took for them to make it in. So I'm excited about this conversation and looking forward to learning. All right, Sumeya, you do that well. Yes. So this is a conversation, not just for those who are accountants trying to break in, but anybody who's trying to break into product management or just trying to see what skills you're looking for as you're trying to hire the next generation of product leaders. Lennon, we had so much time with, <laughs> thank you for your patience hearing our intro. Now I want to hear from you. Tell us about where you are now and just get us started as to what you were doing before you transitioned into product management. Yeah, absolutely. Once again, thanks a lot for having me here. So I'm currently a product manager at Atlassian. Specifically, I'm on the Confluence Cloud team where I work on cross-product integrations, uh, cross-sell, and driving user growth. We want to make Confluence a technology of choice for all of your content creation and collaboration needs. And yeah, so how I got into product management. So like you mentioned, I'm a proud alumni of University of Washington where I studied accounting and finance. Funny story, back in the early 2000s, we saw some of the biggest accounting scandals in history with Enron, WorldCom. And so accounting was a 
one of the most popular, more popular fields to, to go into, which is, which is what I did. And I typically, when you're an accounting major at, at the UW, you know, you, you get recruited by the big four accounting firms. So that's where I joined. I joined Ernst & Young right after graduation from UW. I even got my CPA, spent five years at Ernst & Young, where I was helping Fortune 500 companies with the governance, financial risk assessment, and compliance, the exact same measures to help prevent another case of the Enrons or, or WorldComps. And yeah, I, I spent five years there. And after five years, I was at a crossroads, really. At that crossroads, I had an amazing opportunity to join my first startup. The co-founders of the startup uh, used to work at Ernst & Young with me. So I made that transition into the startup life. And I was hired at that startup. It's, it's called Bright Edge uh, down here in Foster City, California. It's an enterprise search engine optimization platform. And because of my accounting background, I was hired to, to run accounting for them. So I did the month-end close, financial statements, financial reporting to investment uh, investors. But at a startup, you know, you, you tend to wear, and it's an early stage startup, and you, you tend to wear multiple hats. And there was an opening in the R&D team, specifically in product management. And I was asked, hey, do I want to try out and, and, and help out with product management? And I said, yeah, sure, since I'm in the heart of Silicon Valley and being at a startup, there's no better place to be than in product or in R&D. So I jumped at that opportunity. And yeah, I've, I've not looked back since. So it's been about 10 years now that I've been doing product management and enjoying every bit of it. All right. And we're glad you're here. And so I want to turn to Samea again. Samea, so understanding transferable skills is a really important task for anybody trying to break into product management and also anybody trying to hire product managers, putting you on the spot to think on your feet, you know, what transferable skills are there from an accountancy, uh, from doing accountant work? What aspects of that, as far as you know, or if you know, that could translate well to product management? Um, so I have to start by saying that Lennon, you and I share the Ernst & Young background for sure. I was there for six years, but on the advisory side and went through uh, the 2008 bust <laughs> financial meltdown right there on Five Times Square in New York. So, you know, we share that background for sure. In terms of the transferable skills, whenever I think of any previous experience that someone has, the number one transferable skill I think about is people working experience. If you had to collaborate with people in your job, kudos. You are halfway there, uh, you know, to the product management mastery. Any experience that allowed you to work with different kinds of people, different styles of people, have to influence people, have to resolve conflict with people, uh, have to communicate clearly with people. All of those skills are really transferable and important in the product management role. The second set of skills can be slightly more technical. And by technical, I don't mean technology specific. By technical, I mean things that involve analysis, that involve figure, you know, decision making, figuring out pros and cons, the balancing different sides of different equations, managing risk. And so when I think about the accounting field, some parts of it can be a little bit not friendly from a product management perspective, especially in a startup environment or like in high growth 
areas because accounting is, you know, has very strict rules and about managing risk, you know, from a very rigid stand, uh, stance. And, you know, you don't necessarily want that if you want to focus on a high growth kind of product. However, there are some kinds of products where that's actually the right thing to do, not just let's say, accounting products, but I'm talking about products that involve, for example, government entities, where risk is a really important part of the equation. And so when we start talking about transferable skills, I think it depends on two factors. One, the kind of product you're going to end up working on, you know, the kind of company, the kind of market, just the product itself, the nature of it. That's one. And two, the type of team you're going to end up working with, the kind of people you're going to have to collaborate with. All right. Thank you, Sumeya. I want to give it a chance. We have Lennon here, who is a product manager at Atlassian, made the transition from accounting, and he's here to answer my questions and yours. So, Red, tell us a little bit about why you're here and how they could get their questions answered today. Thank you, Jeff. And for those of you who have joined from the clubhouse side of things, to hear. Thank you for your patience as we switch to new spaces. See what I did there, Jeff? Space. Oh. <laughs> yes. Okay. Delivered on a dad joke this week. So uh, for starters, I am one of the founding advisories, uh, founding advisory board members for the Product Management Center at University of Washington. I care a lot about the future of product and making it more inclusive and equitable for people to join the space uh, where previously they might not have had an easy end. Well, guess what? We've created this proverbial front door. We have a Slack channel that we have created that, well, I can't pin a link here to join. If you DM me right now on Twitter, I have the link. It has 1,500 product managers from around the world who are doing one thing, helping each other join and really take advantage of each other's resources in the space. Additionally, for those who like to ask questions tonight on tonight's topics, I would ask, as we're getting used to Twitter spaces, raise your hand. Let us know you're someone that wants to ask a question and we'll bring you up on stage. There's room for more speakers. And we would appreciate giving you a voice and learning from what you have to ask or say. So with that in mind, Jeff, back to you, unless you are ready to rock and roll on some of the questions. I'm already seeing a few people who requested them. First, I have a question for Lennon, similar to what I asked Sumeya. What are the tasks or the skills that you developed, the tasks that you did or the skills that you developed during your accounting days that have translated and helped you years later as you are a successful product manager? Yeah, absolutely. So during my time at Ernst & Young, where I was advising some of the biggest companies on their risk governance and, and, and compliance assessment, I think it's the one thing that we always go back to is how do we make things better? How do we improve a current process? A process that could be working well, a process that, that, that has a gap, how do we make it better? So it's all about solving problems, problem solving, and, and just owning that problem and trying to come up with solutions to make it better. And in a nutshell, this is exactly what you do in product management. As a product manager, you are the owner of that problem that's worth solving for. And you, you rally a team, a, a cross-functional team across engineers, designers, sales, marketing, to solve those problems and really make the lives of your end user better. So it's, yeah, it's a lot of problem solving in my accounting days. And that has really helped me prepare for my current role as a product manager. All right. And then follow-up question, what ways of thinking 
or kind of approaches that are critical or valuable in, in accounting held you back as a product manager? So what are some aspects of accounting that are you have to unlearn to succeed as a product manager? Well, they say accounting is the, the language of business. And, you know, in product management, you work a lot with technical people, whether it's your engineering counterparts. And so sometimes I think where I had to really pick up was how to get up to speed on the technical side of things, how to have constructive or intelligent conversations with my end counterparts, understand the technical constraints so that we could build on a solution that works for both the end user as well as engineering. And so accounting really helped me be a good problem solver, be a critical thinker, and how to think outside the box. But when it comes to the technical side of things, that's where I really had to learn and and build that muscle on the job as a PM so that we can balance between what the business wants and what we could provide from a technical or from an engineering point of view. Sumeya, same question to you. Is there anything from your accounting days that could hold somebody back? Some things you have to unlearn how to think or how to approach problems? Yeah, I just have a very quick clarifying statement or a question for Lennon. Lennon, were you on the accounting side or advisory side? I was in the risk advisory arm. of Oh, yeah. risk advisory services. Okay. Yeah. I would describe the work that Lennon did and the, uh, the work I did as slightly different than accounting. And I'll, I'll explain. On the accounting side of the house, the teams had very strict rules that they had to follow. I mean, you can't really be that creative with accounting. And if you are, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> creative accounting is really a no-no. But at least for me, after doing exactly six months of audit and accounting work, when I first joined Ernst & Young, I had to leave that space only because I felt I was constrained too much. I wanted to be creative. I wanted to problem solve. I wanted to think outside the box. I wanted to innovate. And yes, there is a small space in accounting to do that over time, especially in complex and new areas. But the majority of the work you do day to day the minutia was exactly the same. There are rules and regulations and and you have to follow that. And so the one thing I would say, you know, when I talk to other people who come to product management or to technology in general from accounting is undo this pattern of thinking where you look at rules or try to find answers through rules and do what you think is best. You might have certain principles that you work with But don't be dogmatic about it and find what be more pragmatic and find what works best for that situation. I think that's a very important rule in general for product management, because you need to address the situation based on what's appropriate for that situation. And something that worked before in one might not work in the future or in the current situation. I tried to give you my laugh emoji. I don't know if it succeeded with the, we, we don't want creativity in accounting. I love it. So true. All right. So I want to give a shout out to Amin the Dream, Chris and Raul. Thanks for listening and following us over from our Clubhouse show here to Twitter Spaces. Uh, we are experimenting. We are putting our product management hat on and, and trying new things and seeing how it goes. And we're here with Lennon, who's graciously volunteered to be our experiment, a UW grad at Atlassian. Lennon, I want to ask you before we get to audience questions and comments, 
what do you think is the number one driver of your success as a product manager? And by number one driver, I mean either a way that you think, an experience that you had in school or early on in your career, but what's really propelling you for success? Yeah, I think it's uh, really having an open mind, um, ha- having that, that growth mindset. I think when we talk about accounting or risk advisory, usually there's a set of policies and process that you follow. When you are doing an audit of the books, you know, there's just a, a set of procedures that you follow. And if anything, you could reference to last year's books. In a way, pretty stringent and you don't really get to be creative or, or, or think outside the box. Like for me, I, I would never imagine that in my days at Ernst & Young that I would transition and go into tech. And now building software that's being used by millions and millions of users out there. So I think just having an open mind on what one can do. And so I think those are some of the, the key ingredients for my success and, and how I, I am as a product manager today. All right, Sumaya, so you corrected me on whether we could just call being an accountant. So sorry about that. But anything that you say from those days or early days that have helped you that drive success uh, for you as a product leader? I have to say, the I think the most important still for me was the spirit of customer or client service, you know, doing whatever was needed within, of course, the bounds of doing right <laughs> to deliver value to the client. And so, you know, when we think about building products that serve the business and serve the, the customer primarily, I think that 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 is part of the DNA. It's really important. It's hard to like to build that in a person if they don't really believe in it because it shows up in their decision-making and in everything else downstream. So that's one thing I learned my in my years of client service at Ernst & Young as well that I like. And I think a lot of people who do client service well in any environment make for good product managers because, one, the people skills they have to learn, but, two, in prioritizing the user the person at the end of the system or at the end of the product they're building. All right. Now, Red, Chris knows what's coming. Are you Red E? (laughs) No. No no one do that weird clubhouse clap thing. Give them up. Let's do this Twitter spaces. (laughs) Show those emojis. Come on. (laughs) Don't leave me hanging here, crowd. Give me some emojis. I did. I gave so many. But it was funny. You know what, Jeff? It's the same people giving you the emojis. I, so. I know. They're encouraging me just they because they want to see me fail in front of the international audience. That's uh, right. That's right. <laughs> but thank you for the encouragement. Red, it's up to you, man. Do your thing. Of course, of course. Well, this is the point of why we're here today. We've really stoked the fire. It's flaming. And what we need now for you is to warm up against that proverbial fire and Sit down next to us. What questions do you have? How can we get you what you need to feel confident about what challenges you may be facing as a product manager? Again, as it relates to today's conversation and topic. If you want to come up and maybe add to it, that's fine too. Keep it short. We don't want to limit the ability for people who need our help to not get it. So for that in mind, and being being new to Twitter spaces, please raise your hand. There should be an option for you to request coming up and representing yourself with a question. And we can invite you up. We have room here on stage. Everyone is listeners as far as I can see. And what I'm looking for ultimately 
are those who have questions. Now, if there are no questions, because sometimes people are shy, we have that Slack channel. And in the past, people have Slacked me directly saying, Red, I need help. I have a question. Can you represent me? So if you want to find me there or you want to DM me on Twitter, there's absolutely zero pressure. A lot of times people who are in this space are rather reserved. And funny enough, by the way, Jeff and Sumeya, I've had people that in the past have pinged me on Clubhouse, Twitter, the LinkedIn with their questions after the show because this is actually also a podcast. For those who are not aware, we are recording tonight's show. So you are aware. And that way, when you come up on stage, note that this will be recorded and shared for those who couldn't make it tonight, but could very well benefit from the topic. So with that in mind, Jeff, I have a question that came in through Clubhouse. And can you still hear me? I'm actually navigating on my little phone over to the Clubhouse. And the question is as follows. And tell me if this is on topic enough for you to address. So give me one second. Okay. And I could hear you, but Lennon cannot. So I'm going to have to translate from your microphone to mine. Okay. So thank you for those. If you cannot hear me, what the question is, is I have an ego. How do I make sure my Yeah, this ego- is Lennon. Sorry, for some reason, I, I couldn't hear anything uh, Red, Red said ah, for the last well, two minutes or so. Sorry about that. Don't be sorry. It's us figuring out Twitter spaces, and it could be how I've used it. Can you hear me now, though? All right. I could hear Lennon. Red, why don't you read it, and I'll type it to him. <laughs> it's, it's like an awesome <laughs> confluence of technology well, coming from Clubhouse. For all those who are listening, Red by we Red. can erase this part as part of our podcast. I so think it's magic. I think we should record this and let the world know that we experimented and almost crashed and burned, but found our way to be agile through it. But Red, if you read the question, I'll type it to Lennon and we'll be okay. Well, I think the question is coming in from someone that I can't say their name out of respect. I'll just say product manager F. And they're asking, how do I keep my ego from preventing me from building what the customer wants. And again, I think it's a bit of a stretch for today's topic, but I'd like to see how you might bend ego as a part of the category today. How ego can play into or potentially hurt a product manager from succeeding in their role. All right, I've translated it. It has been sent to Lennon via LinkedIn Messenger. So now we have Clubhouse sending you the message, you reading it here in Twitter Spaces, me translating it to LinkedIn messages. And now let's hope that Lennon is here to come off mute and tell us how he would respond to that. Thanks, Jeff. So yeah, I got the question. So if I have ego, how do I keep it from preventing me from building what the customer wants? I think as a PM, you are the champion of the end user. You are owning the problem statement. Your goal is to to make the lives of these end users better. And how you get to do that is you want to make sure that you really understand the user, understand the user pain points, understand their needs, understand the goal that they're trying to achieve, and how can you build the best solution to help address those needs and and make the lives of your end users better. So I think if you have that mindset and work with your team, work with your stakeholders to craft that, that, that best solution, like the best user experience, to solve that need. And when you hear from that end user, like how this solution actually works for them, how it solves their pain points, I think that's where you get your, your biggest satisfaction as a product manager because you just made an, an impact by you know, delivering a solution that really solves that user's needs. So just making sure that you put the user first and you are, and remember that you are the voice of that customer. And that way you, 
hopefully you can put your ego aside and really build what the customer truly needs. All right, I have a follow-up question and I'll let Lennon or Sumeya come in on this, but this is a great question from the person who asked that. And I wanna know, what is the right amount of ego for a product manager to have? I'd have to imagine that you need, Lennon, do you wanna take that first or Sumeya? For getting people to do things, but you have no authority. So it's this influence without authority game. So what's the right amount of ego to have that doesn't get you in the way of customers, but gives you enough swagger to be able to get people to do what you need them to do? Yeah, I, I can take that first. So yeah, that's a fantastic question. I think as a PM, well, you want you want to have confidence. You want as a PM, you are seen as the cross-functional leader or like the quarterback, where everyone looks to you for leadership, for guidance on hey, what should we be what should we be building next? Why are we building this? You are that cross-functional leader, and you want to command respect from your different stakeholders. And how do you command that respect? I think you need to definitely lead with empathy and always be the champion for the end user. And when your stakeholders, when your cross-functional partners, whether it's engineering, design, sales, marketing, when they see that you are that voice of the of that customer, that championing what the user wants, I think that really helps in getting their alignment, their buy-in, and therefore being able to influence without authority. That is something that I've I've learned during my days as a as, as a PM. Sumeya, anything to add to that? And then I love the quarterback analogy. For some reason, I feel like Red needs to weave in like the Tom Brady retirement and then unretirement 40 days later into that somehow to make it funnier than <laughs> I just did. But Sumeya, <laughs> any thoughts on that? I'll leave the football analogy to those with a lot more knowledge than I have in that. But I am wondering how Giselle is responding to that. No, I'm so I have a short answer to the question about uh, ego. I think the perfect thing for a PM to work on to balance that out is empathy. I do think definitely some level of ego is needed. It helps with protection (laughs) because you will fail as a PM and you need to get up and, you know, continue on working day in and day out. There is an element of grit there uh, that's underpinned with a little bit of ego that helps you keep uh, going. But uh, yeah, I think the thing to balance that out, specifically from a customer perspective, is empathy for the customer. And letting that override your own self needs or your personal needs effectively for those of your customer. What does my customer feel? What do they think? Being able to put myself in their shoes to some extent. I think, you know, this question of empathy is very important for PMs. And it's central actually for everyone on the product team, not just PMs. I'm talking about designers and engineers. If you're building a balanced team, everyone on the team needs to have that empathy for the for the user. So yeah, so if you have that empathy, it should balance out the ego for sure. All right. Speaking of ego red. <laughs> even know. What was that? Yes. That was a terrible transition. (laughs) (laughs) How are you going to dig yourself out of this one, Jeff? Please. Red, let's rescue him with the football talk. Remember he wanted you to uh, opine on that? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Asking me to talk about Football would be like asking me to commit something to the roadmap as an engineer. There is no 
No way, Jeff. I, I am not to say I don't love football, but as a third generation Seattleite, I have become a hockey fan at this point. Ah. So for those of there who listen in from outside of Seattle, let's go Kraken. I could talk about that all day, but I, uh, with what's going on in Seattle's football scene, I'm going to remain quiet. Yes. Uh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the topic, and I'm not here to give him any more love. Uh, in his long, long, long career. Fair enough. <laughs> so with that in mind, I do want to say thank you, though. Shout out to that individual who I, I've talked to in the past. They're very quiet, but they went into to Clubhouse to find me and said, I need help. And if you're listening right now still, and if you find the show, I'm going to send you a copy of this clip when we publish it. Thank you for dropping your ego and just asking the question that needed to be asked. There are so many people out there that wish... They had the platform to ask this. And hopefully today we've inspired them to know it exists and we want more of it. So thank you for helping everyone else out there learn something today. I love it, Red. I love it. And just so in case Lennon still can't hear your audio, I didn't want you to go on too long before he starts to wonder if the call ended, because I know I don't know why there's some trouble with just your audio. But anyway, I do want to chime in and say, speaking of inspiring and making an impact, the Product Management Center at the University of Washington, we are recognizing, we want to recognize the product managers who are uh, building a more inclusive and inspired future. And so we have launched an initiative called the Inclusive Product Management champions and we are accepting nominations so if there's somebody in your network or who's appeared on this show who is really going above and beyond to live the product management center values you know championing diversity and inclusion in product management in the products that they create uh, collaborative hypothesis oriented outcome oriented bold inspiring and empowering if somebody has lived those values we want to hear from you please nominate them you could google the inclusive product management champions and we're excited that we're going to be able to announce and commemorate the inaugural Inclusive Product Management Champions at our Inclusive Product Management Summit on May 20th and May 21st. So please get those nominations in uh, for those who have been doing the work that needs to be done. Uh, speaking of the work that needs to be done, Lennon, you've been sharing your insights with people who are trying to break into product management or learn about the transferable skills that they should look for in a product manager they're hiring. I'm curious, while we have you and Sumeya here, do you have any controversial opinions? This is Red's favorite spot here, but any opinions that you want to, to float in front of this audience and see what Sumeya thinks, either get affirmation or kickstart a debate, controversial opinions related to product management. Hmm. By the way, before that, yeah, I am not able to hear Red. So I guess I missed all the fun stuff that he mentioned because I saw a lot of emojis going on when, when he was speaking. But controversial, I guess... One thing that comes to mind would be, I guess in product management, there is product management for a consumer product versus an enterprise product. I guess would love Sumeya to weigh in, like how should one think about whether to go into a consumer product or enterprise product management? Oh, that's a tricky question. Uh, <laughs> not necessarily controversial, but I find it tricky, Lennon, because even within those two broad categories, there is some nuance. But there are a couple of themes that I usually gravitate around. In general, you know, B2B products have longer sales cycles, also sometimes longer build cycles. Again, 
this is also nuanced because you think of certain B2B products, especially for SMBs, and they, you know, like you you look at Squarespace and Shopify, they launch, you know, updates periodically uh, and very quickly. But then you look at Salesforce and VMware, and you're talking about, you know, quarterly or monthly at the most uh, launches. To me, at least from a cadence perspective, one is faster than the other as a general rule, especially post-product market fit. And then beyond that, it's all about the preference of the person when it comes to the like the industrial focus. If you're talking medical, whether it's consumer or B2B, uh, then you are there are regulatory requirements that you have to pay attention. Same for fintech. It is hard for me to, you know, to generalize because as I think about the the differences and I think of a theme, I always can think of the exception as well. Lennon, any reactions to that or anything to add to it? Yeah, I think whether it's enterprise software, consumer software, at the end of the day, you're still serving people, right? Even in enterprise software, you're selling something to a company, but it's still being still used by end users of that company. The, yeah, I totally agree with Sumeya on the cadence in terms of shipping new new features. Definitely in, in enterprise software, especially the larger ones, it's they move at a slower pace. I think, yeah, Salesforce has, what, three releases a year. I think people usually think that in consumer product, you know, you, you, you touch millions of users, you know, products like Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, whereas enterprise site or enterprise software, uh, you don't reach as, as many and many audience. But, you know, for me, when I transitioned from startups to, to working for a, a big company like Atlassian with a product such as, such as Jira and Confluence, these products actually touch millions and millions of users. So in a way, even though we are an enterprise software or B2B software, we still operate like a, like a consumer product, uh, knowing that, you know, we touch these millions of users and they rely on our products on our technology to get a, get around with their their day-to-day activities and and be more productive in their in their work in their workspace. So I guess yeah both enterprise or consumer both has its merits. But at the end of the day, like Sumeya mentioned, it's probably up to your personal preference where you want to really invest and, and grow in and 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 learn. So yeah, thanks Sumeya for your insights there. All right, now it's time for Red's other favorite topic, book recommendations or resource recommendations. Sumeya, I want to start with you. As people are breaking into product management from accounting or from anywhere else, or they're looking for somebody who can succeed, resources that you recommend. So I'm going to actually focus on the empathy point from earlier, because I don't think whether you decide to go to product management or not, I don't think you'll do yourself harm by working on empathy, whether from like a rational, you want to work on it from a rational perspective or just from like a lifestyle perspective. Not that I think either one is is like a category of its own. But one book that I like a lot is called Well Designed, How to Use Empathy to Create Products People. And that book is one that uh, designers, MPMs alike 
seem to like. It's one of those good books. And then there is another one that I read a few years ago or a couple of years ago called Mindsight, Transform Your Brain with the New Science of Empathy. And, and it just talks about overall how your brain you know, reacts to you being empathetic to other people. So there is benefit to you as well. I recommend those two two books. And we can talk about other books in general around product management, uh, but those are the two I wanted to recommend today just for the empathy piece. And Lennon, any resources that you found, books or free resources that you found particularly valuable as you've grown as a product manager? Yeah, I think when I first started product management, my CEO, and he used to be a product manager at at Salesforce, and that's where I learned my PM skill sets from him. But he introduced me to this book called Don't Make Me Think. So I thought that that was really insightful. And just to Sumir's point about empathy or putting users first, just trying to really be the voice of the customer and build or deliver solutions that really solve their pain points and, and really make an impact. One, one book that I recently just finished reading, it, it's not a new book by any means. It's called Linspired. I don't know how many of you know Jeremy Lin or heard of Jeremy Lin, Asian-American uh, NBA player that rose to fame about exactly 10 years ago while playing for the New York Knicks, where he was told that he couldn't succeed in the NBA uh, he was being cut by several NBA teams before he signed with the New York Knicks. And he, for a brief period, I think he, he really stole the show and uh, was quite a, a phenomenon in the NBA world. And because it was a, his 10-year anniversary of, of when Jeremy Lin rose to fame, so I was able to find this book about him called Linspired, The Remarkable Rise of Jeremy Lin. And I guess the, the bottom line is, Never give up. Always have a positive attitude and an open mind. And even though you have doubters, uh, if you put in the hard work, you do your homework and really strive to your maximum potential, you can achieve great things. So that's exactly what Jeremy Lin did back in his prime. So yeah, that's a pretty inspiring book that I finished recently. Sorry, uh, Jeff. I, I love that that book recommendation because it contrasts directly with the book I'm reading right now that has been out for a couple of years, called "Surrounded by Idiots." And how there are, you know, the the thesis of the book is there are four types of human behavior, and it gives you tips on how to interact with each one of them. It's slightly pessimistic. <laughs> so I might put this book down and pick up yours for sure. <laughs> All right, I had a pause button there problem, but we have our first ever Twitter space guest. Amin the Dream has requested, and we're gonna see how this works. Cause we don't, usually Clubhouse has a little hand raise. Here it just says requested. I didn't know what was being requested but it's requesting to come speak. And Amin, I'm taking over Red's responsibilities here. Sorry about that, Red. But Amin, uh, the floor is yours. What would you like to ask or say? Hmm, I can't hear him. Can anybody else hear him? No, unfortunately. I mean, we can't hear you. Well, I can tell you that he is still connecting. So Lennon can't hear me for sure right now. <laughs> I mean, absolutely in a spinner of death right now. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone, I, I apologize on behalf of Twitter. 
<laughs> I and love please. it. If like, how do you measure success? This is a real product management question. If we had put like our OKRs and we're like the number of times that we talk about technical difficulties in one hour, <laughs> and I, I wonder what would have happened here. I mean, I'm going to remove you from speakers and, and try again. And then this is almost comical about <laughs> our experience here. I'm having fun. Is anybody else having fun? Give me a an emoji if you're enjoying seeing us struggle with technology. Jeff, there is a voice transformer option right Hello? here. I, mean, I never saw something like this. But apparently if I click it, it's like a filter for my voice. I don't know. That's cool. So we could audio tune. I, I think I heard Amin. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. So you asked about inclusivity of our being an inclusive products managers. And I'm saying that, that the majority of economic growth that has happened in the United States since 1960 was because of the economy being more inclusive. Instead of being segregated, we have allowed more people to, jo to join the economic life. And what I'm saying is that, like, according like, to just like kind of upload your program, we might be more inclusive, whether through ethnic lines or through even like different modes of thinking. When we do this, we actually are bringing more economic growth to our product and to our economy. All right. Sumeya or Lennon, any reactions to Amin's comment here? I think the point uh, that has been made successfully over the past few years with research to support it, that diversity is good <laughs> in all situations is, you know, just reinforced by Amin's point here. So I agree with it 100%. I think, I think Amin is also agreeing with your point, Jeff, because you make the the point often about inclusivity and product management being uh, very important. So, I mean, I want to thank you. Sorry for we had a little bit of technical difficulties here and there, but thank you for joining us on stage and appreciate the comment. Sumeya, see if you can get it done. Let's do it. So there is this thing known as the pure principle. And basically it's that people get promoted to their level of incompetence. <laughs> it's a, it's basically, it's a more of a pessimistic, you know, take rather than saying essentially people get promoted to the maximum level of their competence. It's like the level of incompetence. But essentially what it means is that a lot of people are great at the jobs they do. And then they get promoted to a managerial job where they're not necessarily great at it. And so they struggle and they become incompetent in many cases. So my question is, this is something in the product management world, we have two paths. We have the IC path, you know, where you, you become a principal. And then we have the manager path where you are a manager of people. I'm starting to see more and more people, you know, not want to become managers like versus before. It has been the case for a while now that we have those two paths, but I'm seeing even more people now than before saying they just want to stay ICs. They don't want to manage other people. I personally think that's a good thing. The controversy here is not in the incompetence comment, although there is a little bit of that there. The controversy here is that there are many companies that don't have these two paths right now for product managers. And so do you agree that we need these two? And if not, if you agree, what can we do to move this agenda forward? And if you don't agree, why not? Lennon, a lot to unpack there, but do you have time to, to weigh in on this? I apologize. I have another meeting at five in a minute's time and definitely very thought provoking 
question, Samia. Yeah, I think it would, it would take a couple of minutes in order to fully vet out and share my perspective. So let, let's go to concluding thoughts in this last minute. Lennon, anything you want to leave the audience with before you go? Yeah, I would say, once again, super, super ex- delighted to, to, to be able to join all of you today. I came from a yeah, really interesting background and in transitioning into product management uh, from accounting or from the uh, risk advisory role. And you know, I, I think as long as you keep an open mind, you have that growth mindset, and you put your end users first, I think everyone can succeed as a product manager and be able to improve their, their lives and really make things easier and more efficient for them. So, so yeah, thank you everyone for listening in. Really, really had a, had a really fun time this afternoon. Lennon, thank you very much. University of Washington graduate, product manager at Atlassian, though he spoke only for his own opinions. Really great to have you here, Lennon. Appreciate your time. And now I know you have to drop, but I want to give Sumeya a chance for any concluding thoughts or anybody in the audience that you see that you could bait into your uh, controversial opinion into a debate there. We, we can leave it for another <laughs> another show. It's okay. I wanted to thank you for doing this experiment. I actually, the only two things that I had for me as indicators of success were, one, that we have an informative conversation. And I learned something. So as far as I'm concerned, the box gets checked there. <laughs> I got a great book recommendation. Those are hard to come by. And then the second thing is that we get to actually have the conversation. So these two boxes were checked. So I think this was a successful uh, experiment. And I see a bunch of the people we usually see, Raul, Chris, Afat, you know, this is awesome. Uh, Gita. So yeah, I, I want to close by saying thank you for doing this experiment. And I'm glad that it's worked. All right, Sumeya, thank you for bringing your insights. As always, uh, Sumeya is with us every single week. I used to say on Clubhouse. Now I say, I don't know, because we're going to have to debrief and decide uh, where we host this again. But it is released as a podcast. Uh, How to Succeed in Product Management is available on every major podcasting app. You can catch today's conversation and all the conversations that we've had over the past year by subscribing in your favorite podcasting app. Red, we cut you out today. <laughs> the Twitter spaces decided that only Samea and I could hear what you said. But any concluding thoughts that you'd want to share with the audience? Uh, I would say that if you think we should do this again on Twitter spaces, give a positive looking emoji. If you think we should go back to Clubhouse, don't put any emoji whatsoever. I'm looking to get feedback from the audience about the platform they choose because I know while we create a podcast for those at their own convenience, Everybody else who's been listening to us today took time out of their day to physically be here. And I want to say thank you, but ultimately make sure we're servicing them. So get your emojis out and let us know. Should we do this again on Twitter Spaces next week? Yep, there's a couple. There we go. I won't share the result. What we'll do going in the next week is we'll let you all know where we're going to be hosting it. But for right now, Jeff, I just appreciate the fact that we know how to roll the bunches after having done this for over a year, the three of us. So we rock. There's no, there's no shyness about that. Forget the ego. We rock. Yeah, there we go. That's why I said, speaking of ego, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, Red's the most non-ego person I know, but I want to conclude with, wow, that was, that was quite a ride. I, um, 
thank you for everybody who's live and and enjoyed that experiment with us. And thank you for everybody. Shout out to Record Edit Podcast, who's going to have their hands full editing this down. And yeah, thank you for listening. This is great. I enjoyed the conversation learning from Lennon and, and Sumea and really just enjoyed that that you you sat here with us while we, I would say, suffered through it, but but not really. It's like, it was like, you know, when you climb a mountain and your, your legs are, are weak and tired and you just are glad that it's over, but you then are also glad that you did it. So <laughs> that's where I'm at. Anyway, sorry, I'm like laughing at my own not jokes, but just anyway. So I do want to conclude with thank you for listening and thank you for being a part of the Product Management Center community. Uh, the Product Management Center at the University of Washington, we're working to develop a more diverse, inclusive, and skilled product management community. It's very important to us that a broader group of people have access to the knowledge, have access to the opportunity, have access to a community who could help everyone succeed. Product management is, in my view, a very important role as you get to set the priorities for what innovations happen. And we want those priorities to make sure that you bring everybody forward. And so if you've enjoyed this conversation and want to help us, we've got a lot of programs that are helping the next generation of product managers and helping other product managers at all levels succeed. And so we'd love for you to volunteer with us. Uh, You could reach out to me on LinkedIn or Connect However, but we would love uh, your help because it's going to take a community to really build a strong community and build a more diverse, inclusive, and skilled product management future. Uh, We're somewhere every week and it is released as a podcast please follow us on twitter i'm at prof shulman sumeya is at sumeya and red is at red rusak so follow the three of us on twitter so that you could see when we're back on twitter spaces and be kind to one another and have a great week <laughs>